so annoying how the world keeps saying Palestine only when trouble happens. We have a lot of creativity, art, a lot of culture. So we don't have to be massacred in order to be seen and felt and heard. Palestinians holding flowers and Israelis holding guns. But this was literally happening on the ground. Palestinians were literally holding flowers and the casket and the Israeli police were holding their paid by American taxes weapons and the media called it clashes. We just saw a video be released that shows the moments before Shireen was killed. There was yes, no clashes. We saw a very iconic person being killed on live TV and now seeing how the international community is trying to cover it up, even the elite Palestinians. So imagine us as regular civilians. Well, if we get killed, nobody will ever look at us. What's it going to take? Who do they have to kill for somebody to wake up? I bet you if they shot Nancy Pelosi in her left hand, she'd sign that billion dollar check with her right hand. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gazan Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada if you think a camera is a weapon, but a gun is a tool of decolonization. Before we get into today's episode, like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. And if you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes, an additional one or two podcasts per week, including the Patreon Pod, which is a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only, so really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash palestinepod. You might recognize today's guest from one of our episodes this time last year. Hadnan Barq is a journalist and documentary filmmaker coming to us from occupied East Jerusalem. Adnan, welcome again to the Palestine Pod. Adnan, you're our first guest to make a double appearance. Yes. Hello. No, yeah, I'm you're you're the first part two we've ever done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, nice. I'm very flattered now. I feel like I'm uh, some big Hollywood uh, American star. <laughs> You're a hot shot, my boy. <laughs> yeah. <Lucky. laughs> yes, this is a very exciting for for all parties involved. It feels like catching up with you know. Yeah, it's like a reunion. Like yeah, a reunion. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> so give us give us some good news. <laughs> Tell us something good. <laughs> Just off top, we can get into the rest of it later. Uh, some good news. Is anything good happening? Is anything good happening in Palestine right now? Well, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I swear, unless for the unity, you know. So, but well, it's so annoying how the world keeps saying Palestine only when trouble happens. I mean, we have a lot of creativity to be seen by a lot of art a lot of culture so we don't have to be massacred in order to be seen and felt and heard so i hate this stereotypical image that was born by last year's events so people when they want to interact with palestine anyway they wait for a disaster like thank you for sympathy but you have another tons of ways to revive our identity in more productive and healthy ways so Sheesh, that's going in the promo. God. Yeah, for sure. I hear that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's like at the end of the day, it's just people and people do things and let's celebrate those things instead of just put them on the news when they're victims of slaughter. And they don't even uh, write it properly. Properly. They just... Ugh. I'm going to keep it in my heart. Mm. Yeah, are you talking about the headlines about Shireen? Yes. Yeah. Yes, for example... Like uh, clashes between Palestinians who are literally, literally holding flowers. I mean, you, you would hear this in a poetry. Palestinians holding flowers and Israelis holding guns. But this was literally happening on the ground. Palestinians were literally holding flowers and the casket and the Israeli police between two quotations were holding their American, uh, paid by American taxes weapons. And the media called it clashes. Like, what the fuck? Really? Well, the media also called the the killing of Shireen Abakla clashes, and mm-hmm. we just saw 
a video be released yesterday that shows the moments before Shireen was killed. There was yes. no clashes. Did you see how journalists were talking stupid stuff and were very Everybody was chilling. Absolutely yeah. chilling, yes. The vibe was relaxed, not like anybody could get caught in a crossfire. You know? There was nothing exactly. happening. Everybody was just calm and chatting and nothing was happening. No Palestinian gunmen attacking the innocent no. Jewish soldiers. Yeah, no, 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 no. And when this was first reported on, the instinct of the media was to report it as clashes. There was not. There was nothing happening. If if by clashes you mean the mere presence of Palestinians on their land, then okay, right? They were just there. They were yes, just hanging exactly. out. Yeah. And that had to be corrected. And of course, now we, we, that, that video was released. It came up on Twitter yesterday and it's being obviously spread far and wide. But this comes at the same time that the Israeli military says, we're not going to conduct an investigation. Well, we don't care because we didn't want their investigation anyway. But just it just goes to show to some people like the U.S., for example, who mm-hmm. is so put all their faith in a, in a possible Israeli investigation that there's not going to be an investigation to begin with. Not that we would accept it anyways, but yeah. also hey, shout out all of those Twitter users who were like, we should wait for a full investigation. <laughs> yeah. Like, and also like, uh, let's, let's imagine if an American journalist died somewhere else, they would hold the biggest American white uh, investigation, make movies about it, send their, Amazing looking, amazingly looking agents and everything. When it comes to Israel, they are waiting for further information. Like, halos, it's already everything is exposed. Of course, of course. And it feels very silly. It feels very silly to see these uh, well dressed politicians talking very like words to escape the overall situation and pretending to be kind and and uh, with sympathy and everything. But in the end, they are doing all of this discourse just to cover the crimes it's so fucking annoying i just want to to sit there and curse at them not to speak in a behaved and beautiful political way i just want to have a cardi b like situation conversation with these pathetic politicians hey i we would love to see you go cardi b on these politicians (laughs) i'll use first cardi b reference on the pot Fire. Fire. You're absolutely right, Adnan. It is it's comical to watch them try to justify or to like to like stand there and and try to be very like professional and composed and talking about procedure and act like they are the representatives of justice when in reality they are trying so hard to cover cover up to cover up what is so plain for the world to see. We have so we have videos from before, from after. We have we have clear admission. There was an admission from Haaretz. Exactly. After they first said it wasn't us, and then they said it, we're not sure who it could be. It's unclear who it is. Then Haaretz comes out and says, "Yeah, actually, there was a, an Israeli soldier in the vicinity." So yeah. the story keeps changing. Nobody's paying attention to the fact that they're contradicting themselves every step of the way. On the other hand, the U.S. says that they have full faith in this process, whatever this circus is, right? Mm-hmm. What is this process? This process whereby they change their mind every five seconds? Who's they it? don't and, even and, change it. They just change their, I mean, sentences about it. The same idea, but with different words, always. That's basically the, the U.S. With the declaration that the Israeli military police are not going to open any criminal investigation into the killing of Shireen Abakla, the senior military correspondent for the Haaretz reported that this decision came after an internal review by the commando unit of the occupation, which found, quote unquote, six instances of IDF gunfire at armed Palestinians who were near Abakla, end quote, as she reported on an Israeli raid on a refugee camp in Janine. So not only did they admit that the soldiers were near her, 
It goes even further than that. They actually admit that the soldiers shot in her direction. But what they say is they were shooting in the direction of armed Palestinians. But now, when you contrast that with the video that we saw was released yesterday, which shows the moments before Shireen was executed, there were no armed Palestinians around. And they, they, were, they were armed with cameras. They were armed with cameras. And let me add, when the ambulance and the medical help arrived to take her, another gunfire was heard. They also wanted to shoot on the someone who was trying to save her. And he was wearing a very uh, civilian-like, let's say, let's say that the soldier, the poor innocent soldier, saw the press as something that weaponized and as a soldiers. The man who approached them was an absolute civilian who had nothing in his hand. Uh, neither uh, uniform on his body, they, he was also shot at. And also, since when our uh, resistant fighters wear helmets, we don't even have the, the, what it's called, the funding to do this. We don't have American taxpayers to fund us with that, like them. So Palestinians, when they uh, carry their weapons against the occupation, they carry it in a very, uh, only by wearing some very standard kind of outfits. So you don't see a gun a uh, man, Palestinian gunman, wearing a helmet or putting some metal We don't look like the ones who are in video games. Right. And I just want to read this quote from the occupation because, you know, they just find new ways to be absurd. According to the Haaretz, the Criminal Investigations Division of the Israeli Army simply accepted the accounts of the soldiers who opened fire, but testified that they did not see the journalist at all and aimed their fire at gunmen who were indeed nearby. The Haaretz also reported that there were no plans for a real criminal investigation of the Israeli soldiers because, quote, such an investigation, which would necessitate questioning as potential criminal suspects soldiers for their actions during a military operation, would provoke opposition and controversy within the IDF and in Israeli society in general, end quote. Yeah, they're like, if I can't kill Palestinians carte blanche, what the fuck is this even about? <laughs> Guys, let's just let this marinate for a second. The uh, I I like the words I'm having trouble. The occupation said they're not going to investigate because an investigation would require treating the people who killed Shireen as potential criminal suspects. Yeah, that's the point of an investigation. That's literally what an investigation is. You've just defined investigation. That's all you've done. Yeah. How dare we treat the people who murdered somebody like criminals? Like, and yeah, for real. Like, and then they say that that in doing so, by, by, by carrying out the investigation, that would provoke opposition and controversy within the, the army and Israeli society. So what does that say about your society? It says that, that they are that arrogant and ignorant. That's all about. Arrogant and ignorant. Yes, of course. They, they are defining the characteristics that I came up with. So so they always relate to them. So, so that's that's so the what issue. So what, so Laura, you know what this you means? Should... But do you know what this means then? Oh. This means that Israel can never carry out any investigation ever. Because what they've said can apply to any situation where the occupation is accused of murdering a Palestinian. In all cases, it would require treating that individual who carried out the murder as a suspect. In all, that, that's what an investigation would do 100% of the time. So what Israel has just admitted here is that they will never carry out an investigation anytime they kill a Palestinian, ever, no matter what. I mean, what do you expect from the ones who called yes. Muhammad This Durra is not surprising. This, none of this is surprising. Mm. I'm not saying that this is surprising. What I'm but saying it's is too much. It's this too much. statement should be shoved in the face of U.S. officials and anyone who says they're looking into it. Hey, remember when they bombed the AP building? Uh, one of the officials of the U.S. government was asked, like, hey, did you ever get any response on that or what's going on? And he was like, those concerns still exist. Those concerns still exist. Oh my god! They bombed someone a year ago. You didn't get like a follow up. You didn't get a text. Not even an email. No, pathetic, super pathetic. I mean, I mean, sometimes I feel like Americans don't even understand English because you speak, you speak, you talk, you talk, and they're like responding in a whole different uh, 
language or uh, context. So, well, well, maybe America needs English lessons from the zero. In fairness, a lot of us are dumb, you know, so. Like very severely. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a chronic issue. <laughs> yeah, very chronic. <laughs> also, they were like potential criminals, not criminals, right? Because criminals would be too much. You murder somebody. No, 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 no. You're a potential criminal. There is the potential to be seen as a criminal. A criminal in the future, maybe, you know, but not now. Criminal to be. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like it's like the, the early the pre-Hamas, right? The pre-pre-Hamas. Maybe Hamas. Yes. Anyone could eventually become a potential. Also, look how gross the Biden administration is. The National Security Advisor. Jake Sullivan tweets, I had an excellent meeting with Israeli Minister of Defense, Benny Gantz, at the White House today. We discussed ironclad support for Israel's security, ways to address Iranian aggression, efforts to lower tensions between Israelis and Palestinians, and support for Ukraine. I mean, what the fuck? What what Iran has to do with this? What is the Iranian aggression? Let, let me test it. Ironclad, ironclad. You know, it always has to be the most extreme form Strong of support it, it can yeah. never be just yeah like they're our ally no no no. it has to be ironclad they it bring has to the be like sexiest language yes yeah. so Most in- precise one well their english becomes the elite but when us it's like a b c z e f g <laughs> <That's how it's, laughs> like <laughs> they'd be like you know i what? submit myself at the altar of zaddy zionism <laughs> but hold on <laughs> when have they not discussed all of those things like he's posting this as if it's like a new meeting this is the same meeting you had last week and the same one you had the week before i don't understand i had an excellent meeting with benny gans we discussed ironclad support (laughs) for israel security fuck you like fuck all of you seriously what what is this i don't know what this is and then he tweets a picture of him with benny i mean what just look at this guy he looks like a thumb well, we, we're going to lose it. Halos. We don't even have more brain cells to function with, within this systematic stupidity. Systematic stupidity. That's brilliant. You know, uh, somebody said yesterday at the conference that Palestinians have been unreasonably reasonable. Unreasonably reasonable. So, <laughs> or too much. Yeah. Very too much reasonable. I'd like to see so some we'll unreasonableness. I don't know if that's a word, you know? Hello, I said. And I'm oh. just very angry, like, very, very angry. Like, really, when, when we talk about Shireen now, I feel like a crazy hit. Wallah, I mean, I've never Honestly, felt that. Honestly, everybody I'm that... I've talked to has, has, is expressing this. I mean, it's just, it feels like something is, is hunting you from your head till your toe. I mean, just a strange hit, believe me, because we saw a very iconic person being killed on live TV, literally, on site, and now seeing how the whole uh, international community is trying to cover it up. So by killing this iconic uh, journalist, Shireen, we know that the humanization took a whole new level to the even the elite Palestinians. So imagine us as regular civilians. Well, if we get killed, nobody will ever look at us. So you feel like you are dehumanized, alive or dead. So you are useless. You are just some something some entity you're not even a human that was born to be killed like how Gazans were being treated in the last uh, decades that's being generalized now on every palestinian the killing of Gazans was normalized long time ago now it's being expanded to every palestinian and everywhere which will end up with a new genocide because israel show uh, so how um Russia could do whatever it wants to ukraine without a real interference from, from the international powers so this gave it the, the green light that it can really do whatever it wants without someone say, telling it to stop. So, so it feels like we are very close to something very bad on, on the individual scale and on the collective one. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point, which is that if they can kill somebody who's part of the elite, if they can kill somebody who is famous, who's well-known, who's not political in the sense of who's like, American who's not yes. part of a political mm. party. This isn't like an assassination on, you know, somebody who's like a resistance fighter, which would be illegal also. Right. And, and wrong, but this is totally different going after the press is, you know, again, not something that Israel has never done before, but the way that this 
was carried out with the fact that you have these eyewitnesses, the fact that it was done when nothing was happening, when it was just, it was just, it was just a murder just in the middle of the street. On a regular day. On a regular day. Exactly. The fact that the response was just so cold. Yeah. Makes you wonder like, okay, what's it going to take? Like, what is it going to take? Who do they have to kill? For, for somebody to wake up and to say that there's a problem here. Hey, I bet you if they shot Nancy Pelosi in her left hand, she'd sign that billion dollar check with her right hand. Honestly, I don't think you're wrong. And I, I like that is a like, that's a prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. So that, that's, that's, that's see the silence now between us, the three of us. Well, that's what happens when everybody talks about Shireen. Like we have literally no words to talk about it. We just express our anger. Then we want to come to a conclusion. Our mind stops because there is no conclusion in justifying the murdering of a journalist. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, we all saw the terrifying, uh, disgusting video of them beating the funeral procession. And the occupation has actually brought several charges against the gentleman who was covering his neck during that attack. His name is Omar Abu Qadir. And they have charged him with a number of things, including membership in a terrorist organization, providing services to it, and planning terrorist attacks in Jerusalem. Uh, he has been in the occupation jail cells since last Monday. I heard he was held in solitary confinement. That would not surprise me. Because so, this also is connected with the killing of Shireen. Anybody who is seen as an icon, anybody who is seen as an example to follow, they just ruined them. And anyway, Shireen was taken away. The, the barrier of her casket, Abu Khudair, he was like a huge example of uh, loving uh, the other Palestinians unconditionally. So they took him down now. So each example or each icon for Palestine is uh, nothing but a target that will be taken down uh, by the occupation in order to share more despair among Palestinians here and in diaspora. Yeah. Why well, I feel like we are, with the three of us are just like, you know, drunk somehow. <laughs> we are drunk on politics, I swear. Mm -hmm. Tell me what, like, the, the feeling is like now in, like, in Jerusalem. Is there, like, a heavy, is there a heavy, heavy occupation presence all the time now? I mean, did you see, like, in, in response to, or in the aftermath of the murder of Shireen, did you see, like, the occupation step it up? They did like insanely in the in the funeral of the murder Shahid um, um, Sharif, who was killed by the occupation forces in Al Aqsa Mosque. In the last ten days of Ramadan, there was a couple of colonizers. Colonizer is a term that I came up with. It's Karen and colonizer. When you mix them together, you have colonizer. Colonizer. Colonizers, yes. <laughs> Karen and colonizer, the American white uh, bitches who come from America to break into Al-Aqsa <laughs> and they bring the army with them and uh, well, literally for these colonizers at least four Palestinians <laughs> were blinded in their eyes. So. She's like, hi, can I speak to the manager of settler colonialism, please? <laughs> yeah, please. Or to the manager <laughs> of Al-Aqsa. <laughs> so these colonizer, uh, colonizers bring the troubles to Al-Aqsa. So Palestinians will defend, of course, will stop Al-Aqsa from being uh, stormed by Zionists who have these amazing architecture plans to demolish the Dome of the Rock and put some temple uh, beside it. So one of the ones who were injured was a young man, he's 16 maybe, or 17. I uh, forgot his first name, but his last name is Sharif. And he was uh, shot in a rubber bullet in the skull. And he kept in the hospital with secret medical documents in order to let Ramadan pass without having a huge wave after learning that he is about to be dead or he's already dead. So when Shireen was killed, they immediately announced that he's dead too. We took him to bury him here at Salah al-Din. Walid, Walid al-Sharif. We yes, Walid al-Sharif, right. Yeah. So we were surrounded with the occupation. I, I keep now losing names because every day you have a new name. Wallah, every day. So we took him to the graveyard to bury him. On the way, the Palestinians rose the Palestinian flag, so the occupation forces attacked them, and we witnessed clashes. That, these are really clashes. I can now give the international community the red, uh, sorry, the green light to say clashes. Palestinians fucked the soldiers up. They literally went up to the graveyard, 
they broke the many of the gravestones and they rained the occupation forces with stones. It was a crazy moment. We also saw boots being thrown, even sofas, uh, a lot of stuff. It was very random. The sky was raining with a lot of stuff because people were angry that while uh, mourning this young man who was killed by the police, we are still surrounded by the police. I mean, come on, just give us a fucking break. And they, they did the same during Shirin's funeral. If you raise the flag, the flag of Palestine, uh, Palestine, <laughs> in the in the funeral, you would be smacked on spot. But, wallah, they went crazy. Let me tell you something about the funeral of Shirin. The funeral of Shirin was started in the church that is close to Jaffa Gate, which is the heart of Zionism. It's a street that is full of colonizers, white supremacists, Jewish supremacists. It's, it's the worst colonial cocktail you would ever see. So we went there to take Shirin. So when we held her, we all raised the rose the flag of Palestine and chanted, free, free Palestine. Israel is the state that will end and blah, blah, blah. Wallah, they went crazy. All the flags of Palestine and with tons of people. There was an insane amount of people in that funeral. And it felt like uh, an extended scene of absolute freedom. I could never, even in my dreams, to imagine that Jaffa Gate has the flag of Palestine rose there. So imagine seeing tons of flags with tons of Palestinians and all chanting for the freedom. So that this this low-key healed our uh, broken hearts for Shireen. Still, after we how we saw the international media covering it and how the uh, international community is trying to bury the truth, we now are feeling in despair. But believe me, uh, they think that by killing Shireen, they will scare us. Wallah, tons of Palestinians now want to be journalists. All the women who were outside. I just posted a video that I took about Shirin's funeral. It was all, um, the whole chanting was led by Palestinian, Afro-Palestinian women with all the other Palestinian women. Well, they, they, they show uh, a crazy amount of hope and resilience. And also they, it was led by another blind girl that was saying, Shirin, Shirin, we grew up around your voice. So even without seeing Shirin, she was affected by her strength and her uh, and her uh, patriot uh, heart uh, just by hearing her uh, in uh, reports without even seeing her so it was uh, so it's it's crazy mixture mixture between hope despair pain beauty just it's hard to put a specific description of what we went through the last two weeks i heard also that shireen's funeral was probably like the largest funeral most well attended funeral in palestinian history that we know of can you confirm yes, because that yes it started from jenin to ramallah to jerusalem we literally broke apartheid wall with her body how wow. i have no idea subhanallah that's wallah, wallah, her, i mean i mean it's it's so sad how her how how death can sometimes be a gate to freedom but as the blind girl said her name is budur the blind woman uh, which means seeds. She said that uh, your blood, Shireen, is a certain gate for freedom. That's what she's kept chanting all over. Uh, Can you say it in Arabic? Shireen, uh, Damek. Uh, uh, I will just make sure how it's in Arabic. Yeah. Shireen, ah, Shireen, Damek, Yaqeen, Fatah, Bwab al Hurriya. It's beautiful. I will send you the video when we finish. Yeah, I just please. want to document our women. I don't want to document Palestinians. And by saying documenting, Wallah, Lara, Wallah, Michael, it's, it feels like we're going to lose each other at some point. So we need to keep documenting each other. Because what what keeps Shireen alive till this moment is how the media documented her. So I guess we don't even need to be journalists to document each other. Every individual Palestinian need to document the ones that he cares or she cares or they cares about around them in order just to keep their memory in order something that happens. So that's how you keep a sustainable Palestinian community, even if we are under the ground. Yeah, you're right. I mean, what keeps people alive after their death is is the, is people continuing to speak about them and yes. to keep their memory alive and to keep their work alive and to keep their spirit mm. alive. And you know, we'll we'll keep talking about her. We're not going to stop talking about her, and we'll keep talking about all the other Palestinian martyrs over and over and over again. Yes, and look at our people. They just keep bringing up these 
dead icons uh, on annual basis by very collective community. Unlike the Israeli soldiers, who even gives a fuck about them, dead or alive? So you can see how we really have a real, a real value to present to our homeland and to our people who already presented some of it. Can I go back to something you said earlier about when Palestinians were fucking up the soldiers? You talk. You said that uh, that some of the tomb, like this, the gravestones, were broken up and then used as like projectile. Yeah, like people threw rocks from gravestones. Yes, yes, from gravestones to the to the soldiers. So even if you are dead, you are even resisting. Right, and that's the point I was going to make. Not not only resisting. This is the first time when graveyards are finally resisting. But before this, they are being ethnically cleansed because Israeli municipality keeps shoving them away to build uh, biblical parks. Yeah. So even if you are dead, you're going to either uh, be driven to be ethnically cleansed or in this situation to resist. So th- there is even no end in the end. So it feels very strange. And then you have the tendency of the Israelis to hold on to bodies as well for bargaining chips, right? Like Ahmed yes. Arakat never got returned to his family. And there are tons of other people who had that same situation. I actually read about a situation where the occupation returned the wrong body to a family because they've just got so many piled up and their system for tracking it isn't really on point. Yes, it's very scary. Even if you are dead, you are colonized. Right. And they are put in a freezer. Freezers, like. It's called the graveyard of numbers. You are not identified by your name. You're identified by the number, the serial number that they uh, assigned for you. Yeah. Hey, when was the last time we put numbers on people? I forget. Around World War II, I believe. Oh, okay. That's right. Adnan, what did you think of the video that came out of the Knesset? The one with the TV? Yeah, the one with the Palestinian Knesset member who told scum human. Yeah, the Zionists that you're and she went scum. to cry on the microphone. Oh, you yeah. have to respect this place. She's a colonizer too. What do you yeah. expect? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's Listen, like to... definition of right definition yeah. of the colonizer. <laughs> Please, we, we need to make this word an official one in dictionary. Let yeah, we'll happen. send it to Urban Dictionary. Yeah, please. Because, I mean, she was happy about the death of Shireen. And, and she said it didn't bother her. That's what she said. Yeah, of course it did not bother her. Because, I mean, that's how the colonial mindset works in the end. Your interest above everything. So then she started crying because it's hard to keep denying. Wallah, this, this ongoing denial. And it's not psychologically uh, healthy for them. But luckily, Israelis have a lot of mental uh, helpers around. Still, it's so unhealthy. Like, it's a bubble that can explode in any moment. So she well, exploded. You can see that the occupation is actually ripping itself apart, right? Like, yes. there are parts of the occupation who are upset that, like, Bennett isn't killing enough Palestinians and not taking enough land. And so they're already calling for his head, you know? And then there are, like, people who are attacking the occupation soldiers and basically having nothing done to them but still like the you can see like the edges of the occupation are sort of attacking each other now. that's a result of uh, not only ignorance and arrogance in israel you have three issues either ignorance or arrogance or both so when you deal with both it's the worst because you let them unlearn you delete the ignorance and you are left with the arrogance and that's the basic colonial mindset but with arrogance, you can let them unlearn, uh, sorry, ignorance, you can let them unlearn and they would just might become anti-Zionist Israeli or so or so on so, so forth. But arrogance is the most toxic behavior that they have. And this is a perfect uh, illustration of what she did in the Knesset. That was a pure arrogance because she has the knowledge, she has, uh, she has a whole idea about what's going on, but she shows arrogance. But her arrogance did not even save her in that position because he told her the truth. That's why she started whining like a bitch. <laughs> Can I? That's <laughs> the truth. That's the truth. Oh, I mean, sorry for the oh no, we're keeping that in a hundred percent. Hundred percent, Adnan. I want to just make a video. Uh, no, I, a video. I am making a video. <laughs> I, I want to make a podcast. Hey, I got an idea for a podcast, guys. <laughs> Hear me out. I'm gonna call it the Palestine Pod. What do you think? <laughs> 
I'm just yeah. like, I just want to make a video of you talking and listen to it forever. And I'm like, well. Here's the pitch, okay? <laughs> Jewish anti-Zionist comedian and Palestinian human rights lawyer. We talk to people in Palestine. What do you think? Good stuff? Yeah, <laughs> yeah good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> it's so true because I love your references. I love your energy, your heart, the way you talk. It's just, it's just everything. It's just like the best of all of it, you know? It, it, yeah, it's, because, it's, yeah, it's something. Yeah, very she's unique. talking about me, you know. So it's pretty good stuff. Special. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if you're a lucky boy. Lucky boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's it's, that's that's how you just uh, that's how I cope with the stupid occupation. I mean, yeah. Dr. Human is my main mama. Yeah, you're very funny. I'm I'm like I'm watching your stories all the time. And I'm constantly surprised at just like how you're able to make this terrible situation like pretty funny for an outside audience, you know? And I, I know, know but I know, I know the pain of having to turn like tragedy into comedy. I know that that's not an easy thing to do. So I super appreciate you for it. And you're just like very talented as well. Well, you too. Our anti-Zionist Jewish comedian. Well, you should make something in history. He has a lot of characteristics. Do this right, best right thing, and it's gonna work, you know. You know who would do that? Who? Max would do that. <laughs> Our friend Max from Palestine Action. He's all about very performative displays of solidarity. Yeah, yes. he's he's avant garde, and yeah. I'm trying not to get my fingers broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every very day, every day, I open my my Instagram like hidden messages or whatever, and it's like we're gonna fucking kill you, you know. And so it's like maybe not. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't go. <laughs> I just don't open those. I, I just delete them without even looking. So, jokes on you, Zionists, in my inbox. Okay, so this is, I, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the Jerusalem Post reported that Palestinian factions are preparing a quote unquote battle to break Gaza naval blockade. That's new. Of, yeah, that's new, right? Like very new. This is allegedly coming out of Gaza. Palestinian factions in Gaza are preparing for a quote-unquote battle to break the naval blockade on the coastal enclave in the coming weeks. And this is supposed to be like a part two to the March of Return, which took place every week between March 2018 to December 2019. This was uh, announced by Hamas's leader in Gaza, Yahya Sinwar, and he claimed that Hamas was working with other parties to operate a maritime line to the strip in order to bypass the Israeli blockade. So I know that when we think about like resistance between different parts of Palestine, it can oftentimes like feel like every part is operating on its own sort of just this guy's doing this thing. This person's doing this thing. When you hear things like that, like when you guys heard about the March of Return, now that you've heard about this, is there a sentiment like, oh, it's really good what they're doing in Gaza or like we should try to organize something too to support Gaza? Because I know that when we saw that last year in May 2021, you know, that connection, it was really electrifying and powerful for the world to see. But it almost seemed like it was unique in that sense, you know, that you had Israel attacking Jerusalem and Al-Aqsa and Gaza stepping up and saying, no, 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 you're not going to do that. And if you do, mm -hmm. there's going to be repercussions. So yeah. I just want to get your like views on that. You know, when you hear about certain resistance actions, do you think of it as like, uh, we have to act as a collective or is it kind of just like, do you feel scattered? Uh, look, as a collective, we it's, it's hard to like to put ourselves in what, Gaza civilians experience on the political scale uh, Hamas has a lot of support by Palestinians in Jerusalem and uh, the so-called Arab Israelis like literally yesterday there was in Umm al-Fahim a march, a uh, pro-Hamas march which drove the uh, Zionist lobbies crazy and yeah, uh, Umm al-Fahim is in 48 yes yes yeah. they are Arab Israelis as they call yeah. them like Arab is the illicit for Hamas. So, so that's not unusual. That's like, that happens. That's common. It's 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 used to be unusual, but now, well, Hamas is everywhere. Literally really? everywhere. Even in Gaza, even in, not Gaza, in Bezat University, Fatah, 
lost it, lost all the voices from the students because we they all know that the Palestinian Authority or Fatah is just another the same uh, the same face of the occupation and it what let it function perfectly. So that's like a very um, exclusive tea for many people. Always they think that Palestinian Authority is just a typical uh, terrorist uh, Islamist regime, and even Zionists here keep cursing Mahmoud Abbas while in fact he's his. He's their bitch and haram, so yeah, so they keep kissing him for nothing. <laughs> I know, but so, but that's interesting because didn't people realize this before? Like, why did they just realize now that Mahmoud Let Abbas? Why? Oh, you mean about Mahmoud Abbas? I thought about Hamas in general. No, 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 okay, both of it, both of them, yeah. Like, look, Mahmoud Abbas is a very, very uh, whitewashed president. Yes. He, all, he always keeps pushing peace narrative, peace narrative, and keeps praying for peace. But while in fact, you stupid ass, peace is praying for us, for what we see. And that's why people do not trust him. And he even always, always um, comes with his condolences, what is in English, condolences. Something you say when someone is dead. Condolences. 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 Yeah, condolences. Whatever. <laughs> I can't even spell it. I thought you were about oh, to say no. Condoleezza Rice, and I was like, wow, what a, no, no, what is, no. how does she fit <laughs> no, no, in? I'm not, I'm not, not Abbas Abbas I'm not always Abbas. shows up with Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> no, I'm not Rice. <laughs> yeah. So, so back to this. He always offers his respect for the dead Israelis in any Palestinian attack. But give me one Israeli politician. Uh, who gives the same respect for the dead civilians who die on the hands of the occupation forces? Like, give no. me one one statement from them. They're so not bothered. You, uh, They're not bothered when it happens. It's their work. It's their work. That's what they get paid to do. That's how their system functions. So why in the fresh hell would you do this while the other side doesn't give a fuck about your side? And that's why we see that Mahmoud Abbas is an absolute lag of the system. He's like a glitch that we don't know from where he came. Like we see his face as a oh, that's <laughs> square. So <good. laughs> yeah, as as a, when we look at his face, we see error four zero four file not found. <laughs> that's Mahmoud Abbas for us, oh and he knows that, and it's a fact. So. so sad. So sad. And when Jabu, like I just don't know. Don't when Jabu? When Jabu? A human error message. Well, well, Israel is very lucky to have Mohammed Abbas. Oh my God. So yes. Okay. But, so but now no, everybody's but... route, like, okay. So this is interesting. So now in Faham and other parts of Palestine. But let me tell you, it's not something out of the blue. Yeah. It's not something out of the Palestinians everywhere are now facing an insane discrimination by settlers. So you are not only now facing the stupid occupation forces, you are now dealing with an extremist settlers who are armed and also protected by the army. So during the last week, Palestinians had a Palestinian uh, rant, or what it's called, like a Palestinian event to bring back the memory of Anakbe in, in Tel Aviv University. So they were chanting freedom, freedom, and everything in Arabic. And all the Palestinian flags were all over the university. So the Israelis came with their Israeli flags and wanted to ruin the, that event. So this specific situation drove not even the only extremist Israeli, all the Israelis, all the peaceful civilian, cute, peace-friendly ones became crazy of how this terrorist flag was rose, was uh, in the University of Tel Aviv. And in the second uh, day, they uh, filed a lawsuit against all the students who were there for saying freedom, freedom, and chanting about the right of defending each other, while in fact you have here events that they are planned by the government to bring settlers to to, to chant, kill, and burn Arabs. And it's coming in the 29th of May, in nine days, you're going to see an amazing Prada of new Nazism. I'm very excited. So when when you see people are just being faced with discrimination, when your identity is being attacked in any possible way, when you are facing the يعني, on, purpose, on purpose arrogance and ignorance of Israelis, people are unable to keep up with this anymore. And we were always taught, always taught that when you are around Israelis, never talk about politics. They will fuck you up. And this happened literally in the last month in a very lefty, beautiful, uh, artistic um, a college, it's called Bitzelel. It's a university for arts here. 
a Palestinian shared a Palestinian post on his story uh, account. So he was fought by, by a fellow student who happens to be an Israeli settler. And this Israeli went to the administration of the university and said that this Palestinian man is causing a threat on me. I don't feel safe. So they kicked him out of the college for the security, for the sense of security for that Israeli man, which is sparked a very controversial uh, crisis in that university. So even, so I'm, I'm, look, I'm sad, of course, but also I'm very happy that the hypocrisy of these elite and beautiful educational environments are now just letting their hypocrisy flourish and float on the surface because you cannot be like very you cannot be diverse while you are established over a settler colonial system they call it diversity but in the end no it's not diversity it's only a fake bubble that legitimizes the the whole uh, regime so i'm telling you all the things are getting very different now even for the arab israelis it's a term that died last year alhamdulillah it's now fully dead but let's just uh, say that we are going to face a lot of changing when it comes to that. Yeah, I think the occupation has pushed those, you know, so-called Arab Israelis towards identifying as Palestinian because they're constantly being told, you're not one of us, you're not one of us, you're not one of us. And so they're like, okay, I'm not one of you. As well, Israel taught us that the real Israeli is the Jewish Israeli and the rest is confetti. We are just a decoration to call itself a democracy. So now we are aware that we are just a decoration for international representation, and that decoration came to seek liberation. Well, I've got a development, if you want to talk about something like world politics. In a first ever, Russian military is said to have fired S-300 missiles at Israeli jets flying over Syria. So Russian forces opened fire on Israeli jets with advanced S-300 anti-aircraft missiles at the end of an alleged IAF attack in northern Syria. And this could signal a significant shift in Moscow's attitude towards the occupation. Up until this time, Moscow has allowed the occupation to just bomb Syria wantonly, but this is the first time that Russia has sort of stepped up the proxy war in Syria. Is this because the occupation sent Ukraine a bunch of helmets. Probably. So naive. <laughs> Is that why? Like, Probably. We are dealing yeah. with babies. We are dealing with babies. We are holding weapons. It's just... It's, it's very silly. So but it shows, it shows that diplomatic relations oh. are breaking down, right? Whereas the <laughs> occupation used to be like the golden child of Russia. Like they, they had a very close relationship. There are still Russian oligarchs who are fleeing to the occupation so they can spend money there. There's still like a bunch of ties, right? But it is showing that like the official diplomatic uh, channels are breaking down. I mean, yes, it is. So I think that we're gonna to witness an absolute freak show when it comes to politics soon. Because it's like uh, getting very messy in terms of who is with who and who's against who. And it's funny how Israel found a way to make it like it's as if it's the center of this drama, especially while it only announced that it only wants Jewish Ukrainian refugees. So it felt like it's on purpose just to make some echo to, to be feel seen during such a very well heard about uh, crisis. So Israel is going to find another way to seek some attention. To be like a leading star in that freak show soon, I'm sure. Karenizers do what Karenizers do. Of course, calling the Russian manager. Something, yeah, something for you, Michael. For you, my beautiful Jewish man. Listen, uh, what do you think about Germany's stupid policies when it comes to Palestine, especially how a group of pro-Palestine Jews were banned from having a very little event to respect Shirin's death? Fearing of anti-Semitism, but bitch, they are themselves Semitic, so they cannot be anti-Semitic. Well, I it's mean, interesting that you bring that up because we are actually in discussion with one of the representatives from that group. We're going to have them on the podcast to talk about it. Obviously, I think it's insane to shut down a Jewish pro-Palestinian activist group uh, in the name of anti-Semitism. I'm excited to see, like, I'm excited to talk to that individual and get their take, but you know. Obviously, people should be allowed to have rallies 
and there's no danger of anti-Semitism in a Jewish I mean, pro-Palestinian I mean, or any pro-Palestinian us. rally for that matter. You know what I mean? Like I'm so sick of the idea that no, cancel, any... like cancel everyone. I'm just talking about Jews. Like if you are afraid of the interest of the Jewish community of Berlin, why you are stopping them from expressing their own freedoms? So it's very creepy. And this led me to a theory that I created. <laughs> Do you know how there are these very, very homophobic people who end up to be in the end themselves homosexual? When it comes to Germany, they are very, 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 very pro-Semitic um, people because they are in, from the inside anti-Semitic and they need any way just to hide it. Wallah. Yeah. And this 100%. is a red flag for every Jew. A red flag. This huge respect and care about anti-Semitism is nothing but a covered anti-Semitism. 100%. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better too myself. Much. It makes no sense, Habibi. Wallah, it makes no sense. Like even stopping Jews for anti-Semitism. No, you have something that you are trying to cover here. Not only the Palestinian injustice, there is something rooted deeper, which started something called the Holocaust that we all know. So yeah. they are trying too much, while in fact they are the real enemy. And I think it's clear that Germany is more sympathetic towards the occupation than anything else, right? Like Germany is the one of the places where they rejected the amnesty report. The the German Amnesty International was like, actually, nah, we're, nah, I don't think so. You know what I mean? And so it's like, there is a, there's a, a very close connection between Germany and the occupation. And that goes back to the deal that the Zionists made with the Nazis, the Avra agreement from like the 1930s, 1940s. We haven't talked about this and probably because it's irrelevant, but <laughs> in the U.S., Rashida Tlaib introduced a resolution in Congress for the U.S. to formally recognize the Palestinian Nakba. Probably won't pass, but it's definitely something I didn't expect I would see ever. So at least there's that. It's a amazing progress. And we also, we just need to push hard to create red lines when it comes to Palestine. Jews have their red lines, which is anti-Semitism. Other groups have uh, red lines, like for the queer community, is like uh, homophobia and a lot of other stuff. So as we Palestinians, we need to create the red line of Al-Nakbe, where no one can ever uh, say something that denies it, and they might have this cancel, face cancel culture and wide criticism. And this comes from our unity and from our strength of advocacy. So if we keep showing that we are not even pushing a narrative or making up a story, we are literally having tons of Palestinians in diaspora. Did the wind carry them outside of Palestine? There was a huge hurricane that took all Palestinians outside of Palestine. No, of course, there was a huge reason. And that's why we need to create this red line where no one can literally say that. Like, for example, look at I personally, despite and hate any a Holocaust deniers, for example. And this is something that I uh, learned from uh, how they just covered their own suffering. So we need to do the same for when, when it comes to the Nakbe to make these red lines that cannot be passed. Like no one can deny it, for example, and so on. That's a great point. I feel like anybody who says anything, they even start like talking about numbers, automatically canceled job gone, career gone, yes. nothing. Whereas if you say the Nekba didn't happen, you might get elected prime minister. Yeah, you'll get exactly. a promotion. This kind of social protection or theoretical protection for our identity, since it's being attacked on every aspect. And if the problem is Hamas, Hamas was created in 1987. So from 1948 to 1987, uh, why Israel did all of these crimes? Since there was no Hamas. Yeah, because they knew they knew Hamas was coming in the future. That's why yeah, every Palestinian was about to be a Hamas. Yeah, like because then it's our good fortune tellers. Yeah. They looked into the tea leaves that they stole. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, the resolution was co-sponsored by AOC. Uh, Ilhan Omar, Jamal Bowman, Corey Bush, and Betty McCollum and Marie Newman. And according to reports, the measure probably won't even receive a vote. But it's interesting to note that not only does it acknowledge the right of return, but it states very clearly that Israel 
quote, depopulated more than 400 Palestinian villages and cities, often demolishing all structures, planting forests over them, or repopulating them with Jewish Israelis. And it goes on to claim that the Nakba is an ongoing process, pointing to Israel's establishment of hundreds of settlements and outposts in the occupied West Bank. It's interesting because what she did was she also referred to a October 1948 telegram sent from the U.S. Embassy in Israel to the Secretary of State warning that, quote unquote, the Arab refugee tragedy is rapidly reaching catastrophic proportions and should be treated as a disaster. Anyway, the Zionists are going nuts that, you know, as usual, that she would even dare to, you know, say the the, the Nekba in, in Congress. But, you know, anything helps, even even when it receives the reaction that it does by the Zionists, because, of course, it will receive that reaction. But we always have to say what happened to us. I mean, that's we're entitled to say what happened to us. We're entitled to tell the story of how we ended up in all corners of the world, except for Palestine, for millions of us, right? That's that's the least that they owe us, right? Yes, and also they don't even have to hear it from our mouths. You can they can hear it from the mouths of our colonizers. And in twenty nine of this March, the demonstration, the march of the Jerusalem unification, it's always um, filled with Zionists. Who want to kill and burn Arabs, and they say we're waiting to commit a second Nakba, a second Nakba. So they are literally committing uh, uh, about that they did it. So they, I mean, they can have it from its original source. Yeah, they don't need to listen to you. They could just talk to their grandfather who did it. Exactly. Hundred percent. I was in a conference on the one state solution, and I was moderating a panel with some Palestinian activists. Jeff Helper was on the panel from the Israeli Committee Against House Demolitions. And we had an Irish professor as well, Connor McCarthy, join us. And one of the things that we were talking about was the right of return and how the right of return would be exercised in a future liberated Palestine. And something that was interesting, which I actually didn't know before, was they referenced the research that basically says that 85%, around 85% of the land which was stolen from Palestinians in 1948 is still, to this day, not used. There are no houses on it. It's not being, it's not, it was not taken for Zionists to live on. The houses were stolen, but the land that was taken was not built up upon. It was as we know, transferred to the state and in many cases was ended up being used as like land for a national park covered with trees, whatever. But that what that means is that should Palestinians be finally allowed to exercise their right to return back to their, their land, they would be able to actually do that. It might not be the exact same piece of land, but it could be very close. And I think that's very interesting because a lot of the times you'll hear from Zionists, oh, well, that would never work. There's no space. If you even get them in a conversation that goes that far, it just denies the the actual reality, which is that, yes, there is space. Our land is still there. We can go back. And I think that's what is very scary for them, to be honest. And let me tell you something. We as Palestinians can fully, fully coexist with Jewish culture in general. We're very close to each other, like insanely close. That's why we are able to function on the social scale, at least. 100%. I mean, it's not even up to us to say that. It's up to our colonizers to prove that they can live next to us without colonizing us anymore. You know, it's not up to us to prove that we can live with them. They're the ones who showed up on our land. So it's up to them to show that they can live next to us without their like semi-automatic rifles on their back every day. Like, you know, that's going to have to change. Yeah, it's not Palestinians who built all the cages. Also, also, it's very annoying how we are. All, I, I just said the last statement subconsciously about how we are able to live with them because we are the ones who are expected always to coexist, the ones we are expected to live peacefully with them as if they are the absolute angels and we are the absolute demons. So my last statement was fully uh, stated by a subconscious uh, propaganda that kept being spilled over me. So you always feel guilty even for being around colonizers as if you are the parasite in this place and so on. 
So it's always annoying that you always have to prove yourself and everything. And there's also the new like super PAC that's come out of APAC as well. I don't know if you've heard this, but the United Democracy Project, uh, which is APAC and DMFI have spent $2.9 million to defeat Erica Smith, $2.4 million to defeat Nita Alam, and $3 million to defeat Summer Lee. All of these are people who are up for uh, election. And that makes them the biggest player in each race, spending more than the leading candidates combined. So this is like a new super PAC that's come out of APAC because everybody knows APAC's name. They've kind of got a tarnished reputation around Washington, D.C. So what they've done is they've created this like new agency, you know, the same way that Facebook is now meta because of all of the allegations or whatever against them. They just rebranded and sort of have like a new colonial stepson that they're filtering money through. And they're trying to unseat Democrats because Democrats have like some Democrats are willing to be like, we should maybe condition aid. You know what I mean? It's not even like they're taking a super strong stance. It's just they're not saying stuff like ironclad, daddy, tie me up. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what it is that's, that's some OnlyFans content yeah. I'm very proud I'm oh my god the national security advisor and Benny Gans should open an OnlyFans I would check it out you know what I mean I would cancel after and, a little bit but find, I would check it out you're gonna, <laughs> gonna find an orgy between Israel Ukraine and America so it's gonna yeah. be crazy <laughs> Hey. Lock them all in the room and turn off the lights, baby. Let's get it fucking cracking mm-hmm. <laughs> good stuff guys anything else I don't know. What Adnan, are you doing, Adnan? Adnan, what are you doing these days? Like, what's what have you been doing since you graduated? Oh, well, I've been uh, working in a social center that empowers uh, women, youth, and uh, all the kind of people through education and psychology. And it's a very Palestinian facility, which is targeted by the occupation, of course. So once the Israeli police came and asked us, and they and they told us, we saw someone that we don't know his name nor his face going inside your institution. We were like, okay, so you face and? all of these kind of harassments every day on, on like as a Palestinian facility. So yeah, even in, even in job, even in finding like something to make money out of and living like a normal person who graduated from university to seek jobs, you still face these uh, pathetic losers everywhere. But I mean, it's been nice trying just also, but I, I cannot imagine staying an employer for anyone. <laughs> I need to find a way to be rich and to be a hadith because <laughs> this shit is so annoying. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice for all of us. But um, but we're not, and we're here yeah. instead. So uh, capitalism I, wins. So <laughs> check out so check out Adnan's OnlyFans. You know what he means. Coming out shortly. <laughs> yeah, no, but, so and also you made a video about Shireen, which you published, right? Yes, just like before, I talked with you in two minutes. It was published. Yeah, everybody will link to that in the in the caption to this because everyone needs to go watch it. You did. You're doing amazing stuff, by the way, with your editing yeah. and all your like visual like stories from Jerusalem. Honestly, it just like makes me feel like I'm there, and it's so so that's, so that's cool a purpose. to watch. That's the purpose. Yeah. I want people in diaspora, Palestinians in diaspora, to live here with us through their black mirrors, and also for the world to see the real side of us. We are like in Hollywood. People who speak like chickens and keep uh, raining people with bullets. And in the international media, we are just some an angry mob who keeps saying uh, anti-Semitic stuff. So I hope to create a solid representation, even if it's sometimes very toxic and, uh, and positive in terms of how it looks like. Instead, I want it to be seen authentic. So... So that's my purpose. You're doing absolutely amazing work. You managed to capture the beauty and the humanity in every day in Palestine, despite the brutal occupation. You know what I mean? It's like their goal is to crush you and make you feel like not human. And you constantly show humanity every day. I'm glad that you see that. Yeah. Everybody subscribe to his YouTube channel. Adnan is about to be the damn Spike Lee of Palestine. (laughs) 
and your Instagram, Adnan underscore, is it Bark? Bark, like, yeah. Or Bark. Uh, B-A-R-Q, yes. Yeah. With a Q, like in, not K. Yeah, not, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> no, no, I know, but like in Arabic, how do you pronounce it? Bark. Means like, yeah. Bark. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, I wasn't sure if that's what it was, but yeah, we got uh, some crazy yes, names. We got some crazy names and we got some crazy names of, of villages too, like things that are really weird. Yeah, fucked up names, but it's so cool. And and even like I had a conversation with an Israeli like two days ago, and she was amazed of how every Palestinian name has always a meaning, mm-hmm. and it's like something that is just not in the Israeli culture. What is Their the name? They don't have meanings. <laughs> yeah, they made them up fucking them. forty years ago. Of course, they don't have meaning. <laughs> <laughs> the whole shit is made up. What do you? How can it mean anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have told her that. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, wow, it's really cool that your words mean something. <laughs> yeah, no, what, is, what yes. does bark mean? Lightning. Bark means lightning. Oh, okay. Got you. That's why you had the lightning bolts. Yes, and the Zeus thing. Gotcha. I'm his cousin, you know. I have some cousins, gods, and everything. So. I was like, damn, right. Palestinian, like, that's, you're so connected to olive trees, like, you're named after the bark. <laughs> Not that yet. <laughs> All right, guys. I think it's been really good. Thanks yeah. for being yes. Adnan, our you are our guest. Yes, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. And we so appreciate your time, uh, your perspective, and everything that you're doing. Keep up the good work. But rooting for a third part next year, inshallah. inshallah. Yes. Okay, we'll try to make it. Somewhere. Anytime. Anytime yeah. you have something you want to talk about, the invitation is open. Truly. Yalla. <laughs> يلا السلام عليكم الله معك الله معك مع السلامه شكرا باي حبايبي سي يو باي كسل مي ذا ذا سيلفي اول رايت ويل دو يا يلا باي حبايبي باي ثانك يو سو ماتش ادنان باي باي Folks, that has been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com. And check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That has been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day.